0: I personally feel that if you really want something to happen, if you really want to feel that change, Mm. and if you believe in that change, when you put your conviction out there, then you really need to learn how to take that risk. My family is from the Bollywood industry. But for me, since childhood, I've always been into athletics and sports. One of my martial art brothers, he told me about, why don't you check Shaolin? The Shaolin temple is a world famous temple for practice of Buddhism. And then after one and a half year of living in the temple as a foreign student, Mm -hmm. I got adopted as a first Indian to be adopted as a warrior mom. I cracked the whole idea of, you know, convincing my parents and then boom, I'm off to China.
1: How how were you not scared to go?
0: Initially my family kind of was confused. That yeah, they were confused. They were just like, is he okay? Our son is becoming a monk and you know, he's never going to marry. He never doesn't want to you know, come back to the whole living in the city. I wouldn't advise anybody to do this. Uh, but yeah, I had to actually.
1: Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Harsh. Hi Shwani. Welcome to Millennial Mind. Thank you for having me. No, my pleasure. I've been, we've been in contact for a long time. So I'm very happy. You've, you're in Mumbai. I mean, you live here, but I'm happy. I'm in Mumbai and we're finally doing this. So for people who don't know who you are, tell me a little bit about yourself.
0: Uh, sure. So, firstly, thank you for having me here. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad that I was bugging you since a really long time. Like, <laughs> hey, I want to, like, you know, do something. Can I come on? Can we, like, you know, do something? Uh, so, a little bit about me is uh, I'm from Mumbai. I'm from Bombay, uh, born and raised here. I have been a Jew boy. I've been to uh, Jamnabai Narsi School, the most famous school of Mumbai. And um, my family is from the Bollywood industry. Right. And, um, but for me, as uh, since childhood, I've always been into athletics and sports. Right. So I started playing football, soccer, we um, started playing football at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I reached my 10th grade, my junior high, and that's the time when I started taking it very seriously. And then I started playing pro soccer, pro football. Okay. Uh, moved to Milan, uh, yeah, I wow. in Italy. I was in Italy, in Milan, playing for the AC Milan junior team under 16. Then I came to Leicester to play for six months. Leicester no City. No way. Yeah, I I barely did like you know any studies in the eleventh and the twelfth grade because it's so important out here. And then my mum was like behind me and they're like oh you have to study you have to you know pass your board exams, and then uh, and then life happened <laughs> getting a bachelor's degree went to Canada. Wow. And uh, yeah, and um, yeah, just a little bit about me like I love I love films I love. Um, I love uh, playing soccer, being an Mm -hmm. athlete, and uh, I love reading and you know stuff like that. So I've been a very family-oriented person.
1: So you love films? You're not in Bollywood.
0: I am in Bollywood. I'm an actor. (laughs) I am an actor. But the journey has been really uh, very transcending into uh, into different spaces of my life. Um, So you know, starting off with being an athlete, a sports person, uh, focusing on education. And then being a very confused child where, you know, didn't have any clarity as to what I want to do because mm-hmm. there's so much, there's so many uh, possibilities that are there to venture into, you know, mm-hmm. your family business is there. Um, because you have a degree so, you know, you can actually venture through your degree, you can get a job in some, you know, corporate companies. Mm-hmm. And then if people keep on talking around you, you get peer pressure or, you know, you start overthinking. So I was a really confused uh, adolescent at that mm-hmm. period, you know, um, after 18.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then, uh, very very interesting that thing that happened to me was um so i started playing football again uh, after i finished my graduation i moved back to india and i was so confused i didn't know what to do (laughs) um i got an internship at times of india the famous uh, publishing uh, newspaper publishing in india that is so i was just like oh this is really wanna this is what i really wanna do Mm -hmm. and i was like i'm not feeling it you know it's not i'm not feeling it in my gut it's just for my mother's sake because my mom's side of the family they're gujaratis And you know, my nana and nani, they all are doctors and everything. So my mom was like, oh, you have to study and stuff like that. I I mean, same for me, right? (laughs) So, (laughs) so for me, it was just, I was just so confused. I was like lost. I was just, um, just trying to figure out my way out. And I was like, the only way out for me is to getting back to football. But when I got back to football in India, at that point of time, there wasn't much scope because of uh, the infrastructure. The way they were, um, you know, cricket and and Bollywood are like the two most biggest things of India. Yeah. So, football had no weightage over here. So, I was like, you know, there's no scope over here. I played pro football at a very young age and then now I'm like, what do I do? Yeah. Then uh, I had a knee uh, deformity. I had an extra bone that grew in my knee. It's called osteochondroma. Okay. uh, For which I had to undergo a surgery. Right. So, through the sur- uh, while the surgery was going on, the doctors found a tumour attached with it, with my thigh muscle, which was non-malign. Wow. So, luckily, yeah. And then a small surgery became a really big surgery. And mm. then for four to five months, I was bedridden, I was crippled, and um, wow. I couldn't move an inch. I was in so much pain. My mother had to go through so much of, uh, you know, uh, sleepless nights because she used to mm. ice my knee, because she saw how, many, how much of pain I was in, you know, I had stitches around my knee. And it was, it, was, it was a traumatic phase of my life. That six, seven months was really traumatic for me. How old were you? I was about 21.
1: My gosh. Yeah. I was speaking to someone about this. You know, g- going through that age of, I think, in your early 20s. Right. You're already figuring yourself out, aren't you? You know, that's mm. how I felt. I felt when I left uni. I was like, I'm an adult now, but I'm not mm. really an adult because I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Being bedridden for six months. I had a friend who was bedridden for, for a year. Oh, my God. And she said it was the hardest thing in the whole world. And I think we're so busy with our lives at the moment, all of us, that we just say, oh, I wish I could just relax. And my friend said that to me. She said, there's no feeling in the world than just not being able to get out of bed. She's like, it's the hardest thing I ever had to do. And I never thought I'd mentally get through that. So how did you mentally push through that?
0: For me, um, I I actually hit depression when I was in bed because I I didn't know what to do because I'm so used to being an athlete. I'm so used to movement. Yeah. And even we as humans, we're just so used to, you know, walking around and, you know, going to places, going to college, going to uni, going to school. Mm. So for me, you know, like, just being on bed was something which was, and then, you know, having my leg, you know, with these holes, dressing of, you know, around my stitches was, it was, it was just really bad. And so for the way I started looking at it was, I don't think anybody's been able to help me because we had physios who were coming home. Right. And uh, they weren't really helping me much because, you know, before, uh, they, because they were sports physios. But mm. sports physios, they need to look at me as just a regular human being. Right. Uh, to make me just stand and carry my own body weight. Mm. And then slowly, slowly taking the first step, first step, because of uh, cutting that extra muscle and my thigh muscle. Mm-hmm. Th- there was a hollowness in there because of the tumor. So, I was kind of, you know, putting more weight on the right side and I was limping and walking. So, they were like, oh, you, you know, you can't do that. So, I was like, what do I do? You, you need to tell me. Mm-hmm. Like, you're telling me I can't do it. So, you tell me what's the solution. So, they weren't able to give me a solution. I really uh, started looking into reading yoga books. So, yoga was something which was like, Happened to me because uh, just two two lanes away from my house. There was this yoga teacher mm. um, His name was Abhay Guruji, and he was like this This force of energy who used to come home and he used to give me like breathing classes and he used to give me this positivity oh, Really? And yeah, he used to always be like oh, come on You have to be wow you just can't be sitting you need mm. to get up, you know start giving me a lot of uh, moral support, which yes. I really needed at that time. My dad was busy, busy you know, at his shoot, he was working. Mum was the one who was at home and, you know, there's so much only a mum can do because she has to run the house as of well. Course. Right? So, for me, my yoga sir was trying to give me that motivation, but I was still feeling there's something missing, you know. Mm. I know myself, that voice in my gut. So, I started um, doing a lot of research about alternate medicine. Okay. So, I went down south of India to Ayurvedic medicine. I was mm-hmm. trying to see if something can help me, you know, what kind of issues do I have. Mm -hmm. then my father has business partners in Thailand so I started to reach out to them and trying to see if you know something can happen and so this is all um, R&D that I was doing Mm -hmm. and uh, my search narrowed to Chinese medicine right so Beijing Hospital is the world famous hospital for a lot of treatments that take place Um, but whatever money I was saving actually I was saving money to go for Tomorrowland (laughs) 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 yeah I know I I get that quite a lot but uh, it's
1: funny, I'm laughing because I know where your story is going, so that's why I'm laughing. Because so you're <laughs> okay. like, I'm saving money to go to Tomorrowland, I but know, so I use that money for... <laughs> yeah,
0: so before my surgery, the whole idea was coming back from Canada, getting an internship at Times of India, was to save money and, you know, everybody was hyping, <laughs> hype-talking about Tomorrowland, oh, you got to go to Belgium, it's, it's like crazy. Yes. Yeah. I still haven't been, I want to go.
1: I haven't been there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway,
0: so, that was the whole idea, That anyway, so... Beijing hospital and it was turning out really expensive for me. Right. I'm like oh my god, like, they, they said they can help me because I shared some of my reports with them
1: mm-hmm.
0: but uh, they were too overpriced for me and then one of my martial art brothers, uh, you know friends brothers I call him, uh, he told me about why don't you check Shaolin. The Shaolin temple is a world famous temple for practice of Buddhism but that's where the found, uh, the Zen Buddhism was founded. Right. That's where Kung Fu was you know um, became a b- bigger deal. I'll mm-hmm. come into the history later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then medicine was another, another pillar of Shaolin Temple. So he said, why don't you look into the medicine section of Shaolin Temple? Right. I said, why not? So I tried to reach out to them and there was no reply because, mm-hmm. you know, it's a temple, it's up in the mountains. I was seeing pictures. and I'm like, I doubt they'll be able to do anything.
1: Right.
0: So it, three weeks passed and um, I got a reply from them, from the Foreign Affairs Office saying that, yeah, we can help you. So that was my cue, like, you know, okay, there is hope. There is like a, you know, ray of light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you don't have to always go in the whole darkness to your depression or, you know, frustration that was happening. Um, so for an athlete, it was more of like a mental trauma, you know. Yeah. you know, uh, if, if I wasn't an athlete, it wouldn't be taking such a mental toll on me. Mm. And then, uh, so it was just, a, there was a lot of back and forth communication, and then they shared their requirements, you know, the protocols that they have to follow, they have to pay the fees, mm. get the invitation letter, get the Get the uh, get the visa, the Chinese visa for six months. Right. Uh, but the biggest step that I had was to convince my parents because you know being being an Indian, uh, you know my mom being Gujarati, dad being a Rajput. Uh, so for them, they were like, oh, why you've been to Canada, you've been to right. Europe, you've been to America. You've why done it all now. Yeah, like yeah, you've been like you know to most of the continents. So why why do you have to go to China out of all the places? So for them also, it was like you know we don't know anybody in China because that's the first kind of instinct that comes to any parent. Correct. You know. Uh, in India because we are still living with our parents you know it's a very um, we, are, we are still in each other's lives. basically we are still in each other's faces all yeah. the time throughout the day. <laughs> as soon as you wake up and until you go to bed it's, it's how it is <laughs> so uh, convincing mom and dad was a, 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 was a tough cookie but I, I cracked it Okay, I nailed it and then, tell me um, how you did
1: that, a lot of people ask me this all the time because they say how, how do you confront your parents with certain decisions but I'm a girl so I would like to hear it from a boy's perspective how did you convince them?
0: I wouldn't advise anybody to do this, uh, but yeah. Uh, I had to actually cook up some story with my friend who conv- who told me about Shaolin medicine. Why? Right. Uh, I told him, uh, like, you know, you have to talk to them, you have to like, you know, give them like an emotional thing, that this <laughs> is like a one-time opportunity. And you know, like, we, we, we are like, we, in India, like, you know, people are like really emotional and yes. they have like the soft spot that, oh, you know, it's for my son's well-being and this <laughs> and that. So, I played the emotional trump card, basically.
1: Your mom's watching this, yeah? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's funny, because my parents do that to me. They play the emotional card. Oh, you know, Mm. you're not going to get... When I was, uh, I think I was 18 or 19, my brother had decided he wanted to go on holiday with his friends. And he booked it. And I would never do such a thing, okay? So, I'm the older one and my dad was like, Akshay has chosen to go on holiday with his friends this summer, and as a punishment, I'm gonna book a holiday without telling him, okay? So, but my brother didn't care, he was like, I don't wanna come on your family holiday anyway. At this point, my mom and dad were like, you have to come, and I was like, I'm not coming on holiday with just you and mom. Mm. And my parents were like, okay, fine. Then 10 o'clock at night, my mom comes into my room, like you said, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, shwani one day you're gonna get married, and you're gonna really regret not coming on this holiday with me and dad. And you know you're going to get married and have kids, and you're going to want to have this relationship with your kids, and we may never be able to go on holiday ever again. And you know you're going <laughs> to remember this trip for oh the rest of God. your life. Of course, I had to go. Yeah. I had so much guilt inside right. me, and now I'm like to my parents. I know what you're doing. Stop guilt tripping me to everything. I'm right. not doing it. But I think it's an Indian thing. We know we can play on play on those strings. Oh yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So it was basically just the the roles were reversed in my case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was difficult to convince my parents because my dad is a really tough cookie to crack. Really? Yeah, because he comes from like this whole disciplined background and, you know, like, the whole action family in Bollywood, you know, like, he, he's, like, really a health freak. So, for me, convincing my dad was more difficult than my mom. Mum is, like, you know, mum is in my team. Of course. I'm a mama's boy. So <laughs> <laughs> and dad is, you know, uh, he's, like, the strict one because he's, he's barely been around, you know, right. while growing up. Because of his work, he's always shooting away out of the country. So, so what did
1: he want you to be?
0: My dad was really pushing uh, for me to be a, a football player.
1: Like really? He, really, he
0: really supported me in, in those sense. Wow. And then once I got my graduation done, my, my master's degree from Canada, and mm-hmm. that's where um, he's like, it's your life. Now you decide what you want to do. <laughs> you know, it was like the doors open to the film world, the doors open for you and you know, whatever your degree is. So.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, so then I cracked the whole idea of, you know, convincing my parents and right. then, uh, boom, I'm off to China.
1: How crazy, yeah, though, because after
0: five months, six months, five months for it, surgery,
1: you know, you know, going to a place in Europe or going to even coming to India. I don't, I don't really know anyone here, but it feels like home. Right. right. I feel like so connected to everyone. I feel like I've met amazing people. I kind of speak Hindi. You've seen my you've seen my Hindi. I can yeah, understand I like it, but it's broken. Right. It's not great. It's, good, yeah. <laughs> it's what? It sounds cute <laughs> because you have it like, you know, jumbled and mixed. Yeah. Whole, I thought you were like, it's not whole good. genders are mixed. I so. thought you were like, it's, it's not good. I was like, huh, what? No, <laughs> it's, it's okay. Um, <laughs> when you go to somewhere like China, you don't speak, you can't even understand it, right? Like, Uh-oh. obviously. And you know nobody there. Right. How were how you n- not scared to go?
0: It was instinct. There was a little bit of fear, mm-hmm. but honestly, there was a lot of surrenderings that I did. Mm-hmm. Because I personally feel that if you really want something to happen, if you really want to feel that change, mm-hmm. and if you believe in that change, when you put your conviction out there, then you really need to learn how to take that risk. You need to mm-hmm. take that, that big jump, that leap, you know, like the big leap of faith, you know, it's yeah. like this.
1: of course. So, so what happened when you got there?
0: So I got there, like, post-sunset. Right. It was, uh, right, it's pretty dusky. <laughs> <laughs> And it was almost winter's time because it was in the month of October. I got there 2014 and it was snowing, like partially. And uh, so the foreign affairs office, the main officer, his daughter came to pick me up. So she spoke a little bit of English Mm -hmm. because she had studied in Canada, like a diploma for a year. So she picked me up and then we were driving and it was like, you know, two hours away from the airport. And she was like, at the airport, she was holding a placard saying, you know, from India, harsh. Uh, Harsh varma So, I I went and sat in the car. We we were driving. So I was asking her like you know sort of questions, which was like, oh how far it is? Oh I'm so hungry. What will I get to eat? You know all these curious You know I was just getting curious yeah. as a person. So she was like speaking in broken English, but I was I was understanding. I was comprehending what she was uh, you know trying to explain to me the routine, the discipline I was talking about mainly. So as soon as I reached. Uh, the temple, it mm. was like really pitch dark up, up, you know, like up on the mountains. We drove like really like in the in the, in the mountain ranges. We went really high. And I remember it was just so dark. I was I was actually thinking if I've uh, if it's like I've been kidnapped. I had this feeling for like a second um, I've been kidnapped. So but then I reached the dormitory. There was this foreign affairs uh, uh, disciples home, okay. foreign disciples, a foreign student's Disciple home. And then uh, I went to my dormitory and mm-hmm. there were mon- many students in there. Hardly one student, one German guy was there. And then they gave me a soup. So it's a pure vegetarian. So Shaolin Temple is a Buddhist temple, a pure okay. vegetarian, uh, where they study and follow and practice Buddhist uh, Zen Buddhism. Okay. And uh, like I said about martial arts, Kung Fu, and uh, medicine, Shaolin medicine. And when I went in the dormitory, this lady, she got me a bowl of soup, which had all these different vegetables. So now I'm allergic to mushrooms. Right? So you look at all the barriers that are coming in my life, so I'm managing to mushrooms and I didn't know there are like 32 types <laughs> of mushrooms in China itself, and I didn't even see any mushroom in there So I was so hungry. So they gave me those you know the bao? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Bao is bao is in
0: Ch- yeah in Chinese We call it manthou.
1: Okay. Yeah, and Can you speak Chinese now I speak fluent Chinese. Oh my god. I speak fluent <laughs> okay. Mandarin,
0: I speak Spanish so I became an official translator for the temple after I became a warrior monk. I'll come okay, to yeah, yeah,
1: we'll come to that. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. sorry, I got too excited. Yeah. So you had a baoban?
0: I had the a <laughs> bun with the soup and I had the soup and later on I got to know that it's, uh, it's mushroom soup <laughs> and then I had this really bad ulcer reaction and rashes all over my body. And then I had, next day morning I was taken to the hospital to get an anti-allergy shot.
1: So you have this soup and you're allergic, okay, then what? And, uh, Are you like I want to go home right now?
0: No, actually I didn't. I didn't think <laughs> of you know going. Obviously I missed you know like home food, mum. Yes. Mum ke hath khana, how we say you know, mum's uh, mum's home food. Mm. And then um, they gave me an anti, anti- allergy shot, and then uh, I came to the Foreign Affairs Office and I did my formalities, and my treatment started. Right. Okay. So the whole idea was to get fixed over there in the Shaolin Temple pharmacy, yeah. the medicine section. So I started doing acupuncture and acu pressure therapy on my knee. Right. So I used to have 30 needles a day.
1: Yeah. And I
0: used to uh, precisely have these uh, long uh, incense sticks which used to be stuck on the needle.
1: Right. And
0: um, it, it used to really hurt because, you know, like 30 needles all over your leg. And there were some certain points for acupuncture you know they really hurt you a lot okay. because they keep on turning you know have you turned acupuncture yeah yeah so they keep on turning it you know like they keep on rotating it quite a bit yes and that's where the whole nervous system gets activated and the blood that's clogged blood flow that gets clogged you know that gets opened up and that's how the flow of blood takes
1: place okay um, so yeah when i had it the most painful part was putting it into my hands
0: yeah actually the most painful <laughs> part to put uh is right under your your feet, under your foot, out, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very point. sensitive. Yeah. So they were
1: like, it's not going to hurt. And when they were putting the needles in, I was like, ah, stop. Yeah.
0: yeah, so that's where I started doing my three to four months of therapy. And then I okay. started doing my physical training.
1: Right. Uh,
0: martial arts training. And I, I saw the place and I was like, I'm in love with this place. Because next day in the morning when I went to do the formality, it was like this red structures, green roof. You know, and then whole grey walls and everything—it was just so serene, so beautiful. And I'm like, I'm in heaven.
1: Wow. It was
0: just so serene. And uh, later on, I'll share. There's a documentary made on me. I'll share yes. that link with you. So it was—it was—it uh, was a wise decision, I would say. Okay. And, uh, honestly, I never thought of becoming a monk. And uh, yeah, how
1: did that transition? You—you you were saving for Tomorrowland, which is a really incredible festival, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> You're saving for Tomorrowland. You—you yeah. you actually end up going to China to visit this um, monastery. In which you think you're going to be healed to secure your leg, and then you become a monk. How how, how does that happen? I, no,
0: I, I, it took me a while to become a monk. It took yeah. me about one and a half year before I became a monk. My parents came to visit me in my fifth month. They saw that I was doing well with my mm-hmm. leg, and um, they were really happy with the you know the path that I chose. And you know they were like, okay, six months is not not a big deal. You know, yeah. so it's a good amount, but. Over there also when they came, they were like, okay, so now what you going to do when you come back home? Yeah. And I'm like, I haven't thought about it. I just want to, you know, be here. <laughs> I just want to train. And I, and then I convinced them I want to stay another like six months or one year. And my dad was like, um, oh, I'm not going to help you with anything. You know, mm. you just have to be by yourself. I said, yeah, just help me like 50%. You know, I'll, I'll manage, you know, I still had a little bit of le- uh, savings in, left with me. And then he's like, okay, but then, you know, you really need to fix your life. Like, you know, Obviously. you need to plan what you want to do. You know, you're already already like 21 and a half, 22. So what's your next game plan? And then I said, I don't know. Let me just, you know, just let me just be there. Let me just study. Let me just enjoy the whole moment of, you know, being in a monastery, being in a temple. Mm. Because there's because in every structure, every corner of the temple, there is so much of wisdom. There is so much of knowledge There's there. Mm. And I feel when you truly surrender to something, that's when that practice accepts you as it's yeah. own, so and that's true. exactly what happened to me. I completely surrendered myself. I never thought about any kind of um, pressure from my family. I never thought about any kind of you know uh, financial issues. I never thought about what I'm going to do with my life. Mm. I was purely just completely in the moment, and I was just doing my practice and my study. Wow. And one and a half year, my savings got over, and my dad had given me a deadline. Why? Right. And uh, I told the temple. I told my you know. People who was in the, in the as, as senior monks, I told them that, you know, my Shifu,
1: mm. I told my Shifu,
0: I was like, Shifu, you know, like, you know, my savings are over now, so I'm going to go back. And I'll see whenever I can come back again, whenever I have my next savings up. Mm-hmm. and They all were like so sad. They all were just so upset because in my, when I completed one year, that's when a lot of foreign students started coming in the summertime. Right. And um, they didn't know Chinese. So I had started picking up, you know, speaking the language slowly, slowly. I started downloading some podcasts. Mm-hmm. I bought some books online, mm-hmm. and I used to really like go in people's faces, and you know, I'd be like, "Please, can you speak like over here? Like, I need, I need it to be translated." So that's how I really learned the language, just purely wow. through listening, and obviously having self-interest.
1: So your your savings were over, okay.
0: And then I told my shifu that I need to leave because my savings are over. Right, right. So. <laughs> And then uh, it was just like a very funny meeting, it was just such a funny incident because um, they all had the meeting, you know, so we have, you know how there's like a, like a headmaster, like a dean mm. of the, like a principal,
1: yeah. all
0: right, so of a university or a college. So the same way we have the abbot of the temple, uh, temple Shu uh, right. uh, Yongshin, so he's like the, he's the Shifu of everybody. So he, at his headquarter, um, the warrior monk leader, uh, my Shifu, the foreign student's uh, main master. And other two leaders, they uh, who handled a couple of other groups in the temple, warrior monk groups, they had a meeting regarding me. So I was so scared at that point. Of time. I was like, "What is happening? Yeah, like, where is this going? Like, have I done something? Like, am I in trouble?
1: And am I, I actually kidnapped?
0: <laughs> am I like you know being uh, held like a hostage, hostage or something? And, but then later on, when Naishifu shifu came to me and he told me that." Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're being promoted to becoming a warrior monk, and these are the vows uh, and oaths that you need to take. Okay. And uh, these are your duties. These are the commitments that we'll need from your side. Uh, you don't have to pay fees anymore, because every every month you're paying a fees, right? Because whether it's for training, whether it's for living, it. eating, therapy, you have to pay the temple, uh, which anyone can of come course. to the temple and pays. Um, but for them, it was the first time they were adopt adopting an, uh, uh, a warrior monk. They never adopted anyone. So for them it was like a really big decision to make.
1: So okay, when my right?
0: Shifu told me all these things and I was just so excited. But wow. there was a small... Um, I was also sad a little bit because mm-hmm. this meant that I won't be able to train with my Shifu anymore because I was being promoted, right? Because he's wow. the Shifu only for the foreign students who come from different countries. Got it. So I have a really, really strong relation with him. Shifu was as equal, equivalent to a father. So mm. for me, he is the one who made me a warrior monk. And then after one and a half year of living in the temple as a foreign student, mm-hmm. I got adopted as a first wow. Indian to be adopted as a warrior monk. And, then
1: and what were the oaths and the things you had to take?
0: Uh, the, the precepts were very simple. Okay. Uh, so there are two kind of monks. There's a warrior monk and a scholar monk. Okay. So warrior monks have duties related to purely to, uh, to promoting Shaolin culture,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, purely related to Kung Fu, Shaolin mm-hmm. Kung Fu and uh, training, teaching, spreading, anything and everything related to that. Uh, we did have to learn certain mantras, certain uh, chants, that is very important uh, you know, as a Buddhist practitioner. You have to know the meanings, you have to study philosophy. So we had Buddhist philosophy classes, we had medicine classes, we had Kung Fu training, we had meditation going on, and there were so many ceremonies and festivities that we, had, we were involved in, so we had to take part in it. Uh, we had this really huge mess, this dining hall, we call it the Jai Thang. And in Jaitang we three hundred monks, so there are about like one fifty warrior monks, and the rest of them are scholar monks. They all are seniors wow. who practice, uh, you know, hardcore like you know, study of Buddhist philosophy and the and the and the uh, chants, the scriptures. They have like so many detailed things that, and it's 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 like you need to completely dedicate your life to study this.
1: But how is it being different? Because obviously you live in India. How yeah. is it different from being a monk here to being a monk there? I presume your knee got better, right? Yeah, knee was okay. fine. So, so I get the kind of urge to want to go there and, and and being there seeing your knee get better and seeing the practices But haven't you been brought up around all of this kind of spirituality? I guess.
0: Oh, yes Definitely my my family is hardcore. Uh, I would I would say right now, of course I've studied Buddhist philosophy and mm. seen so much of uh, temple life as a monk. Mm. I feel religion and uh, religi- being religious and being spiritual are two different things. Okay. So m- in my house, it was more of being religious. Okay. You know, serving Lord Shiva, Lord Ganesha, yeah. um, you know, uh, all Parvati Mata, you mm-hmm. know, like Saraswati Lakshmi. So we have all these festivals that happen throughout the year. We have Diwali, we have Holi, we have Saraswati Pujo, you know, all these. So it's a very diverse culture. But I feel spirituality is when you completely go inward. There's nothing that you're attaching yourself to the only focus and awareness is of yourself. And when there is awareness of self, that means there is awareness of breath. Mm. Because Shaolin practice is completely based on your breath practice, your breathing practice.
1: Wow.
0: So let me give you a little bit of brief of uh, what the history of Shaolin culture is. Sure. So Shaolin uh, was started by an Indian monk called Bodhidharma from south of India. Okay. He traveled from south of India to China to spread the teachings of Buddhism, mm-hmm. of Zen Buddhism. So he went... Uh, to the temple and uh, there was already a temple so Shaolin means uh, Shao as in like little and Lin means temple so Shaolin so temple in the little forest that's why it's called Shaolin temple so he went to the temple he was not accepted in the temple and uh, later on uh, he meditated in a mountain behind the temple for nine years and that's where a lot of monks who were already already living over there they Mm. came and saw that oh he's not gone back he's still over here Wow. And then he used to do a lot of imitation Kung Fu. That means he looks at animals and he starts doing a lot of practice through the animals. So that's where the animal flow started coming in. Okay. Um, so animal style Kung Fu. Then he started doing a lot of breathing practice. They used to see he's doing a lot of breathing practice. That comes from yoga. And then uh, he used to keep on uh, harvesting a lot of plants, a lot of herbs.
1: Mm. And
0: this is where the Ayurveda comes. Got so. It. And then his martial arts practice was the ancient Indian, South martial, south Indian martial arts called Kalari Payattu. So this is what Bodhidharma had in him and that's where he practiced there and then he gave it to the monks in the temple.
1: Wow. So
0: this is a history, a brief history of the culture and, and the Bodhidharma.
1: So what drew you to that so much?
0: Honestly, I didn't know who Bodhidharma was. I didn't know this all came from India. Like I was so clueless, <laughs> I was so zapped. But for me, what drew me was... I started being, I started being in touch with myself because, you know, living, playing soccer, playing football, um, being in this whole Bollywood family and, you know, friends and, you know, everything mm. that was there. You're living a very surface level life, I feel. Right. So it's completely very outdoor. It's it's something which is, um, I think there are like four layers to our soul.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: just the way we have four layers to our skin. Yeah. So there are four layers to your soul. So I feel we li- we on the topmost layer, living a life. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a lie because sometimes you're just... Um, adapting to the situation that you're put into correct i think think that's fair enough i don't think anything is i don't think anything is right or wrong Mm. i think everything is about awareness
1: Mm. and
0: the choices that you make so for me um the main difference was that i I started being aware of myself i started going deeper and deeper and getting to know the layers about my own self Mm -hmm. so that's what drew me that i started uh, going inward purely
1: and were you comfortable with that because i presume you know growing up just generally in a, in a big family if your dad was away all the time and and you were kind of raised to kind of find your own feet were you ever aware of your emotions or you know did people speak about them in your family did the men speak about them
0: uh, actually that's a really good question that you asked me because just as of yesterday I just finished a 10-day workshop an acting workshop which mm-hmm. I feel is also a life workshop right where there are so many Emotions that is suppressed inside of you that you haven't addressed mm. or you're not aware about. So in this workshop that I did, um, I started. Ha- I knew about it even when I was in the temple. Um, but in the temple, you know, it's so disciplined. You know, when your practice is your strength, mm. so you know, you keep on practice the one thing again and again and again. So your mind is completely, um, you know, dwelled and delved into that one thing.
1: Yeah.
0: But when you really sit with yourself, when you really try to understand those emotions, mm. the You can call it the childhood trauma. You can call it the things that are not addressed, the suppressed Mm -hmm. part of your subconscious mind. That's when you truly start addressing them and and you accept it and you start feeling them and let it pass by.
1: Yeah. And this
0: is what I've learned over the period of time right now. So, yeah, back in the day, I don't think anybody in my family or in the Indian community, anybody has addressed how you feel emotionally. What's your emotional quotient? Why? Because everything is just so... Like I said, it's so surface-driven. It's about you know what degree do you have, what kind of job do you do, how famous you are. So everything is just like you know on the outer surface. Mm-hmm. There's nothing inner. Um, there's no connection with the internal environment of you know yourself, your of your being. I feel, and so that's why the Shaolin Temple really drew me was because I'm becoming aware about my own self in a very, in a very. Um, I am not finding the right word, but in a very intense manner. Yeah. And without like, you know, judging myself, without being critical about myself and not having any kind of responsibilities. And uh, I personally started feeling that um, I have a conscious mind Mm. and we we live a very conscious life. Right. But you also have a subconscious mind, but that develops through your intention.
1: Mm. That
0: develops through um, the kind of approach that you have towards any situation or any person. Mm. And that's why the Buddhist philosophy classes started helping me a lot and I read so many spiritual books. Right now I'm an actor and my my manager and my team people they tell me, Stop reading these spiritual books. Don't be so hard on yourself. Read more fiction.
1: Right.
0: So yeah, it was a really nice transformation that I had and Coming back to the kind of uh, vows and oaths that we had to take, uh, we practice celibacy, pure celibacy for like five, I was celibate for about five to six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, which the scholar monks have to do. So scholar, uh, warrior monks, when they leave the temple, they can choose to start a family but they won't be considered a monk anymore, which is me right now. Got it. Right. So when you're living in the temple, you have to follow the same vows and oaths as the scholar monks. Um, of course, like you know, no wrong speech, no consumption of, you know, killing of animals, no consumption of any kind of, you know, meat or any kind of source of, you know, Animals, basically.
1: Were you vegetarian before you went?
0: No, I wasn't. I was, oh. a, I was really hardcore non-vegetarian. I'm not too proud to say that, so, yeah.
1: <laughs> I love how people say a hardcore non-vegetarian. Yeah, yeah, I love it, it okay. It was just
0: like in the house. <laughs> in the house, you had like so much <laughs> meat happening every day. and Really? Yeah. I was so my mom is Gujarati, so sorry. Yeah, gone. Uh, but my mom's pure vegetarian. Like she's all, she's cooked for her, my dad and my sister and for me. Wow. But she's never like tasted anything. She's yet. never had it. No, she's a Vaishnav.
1: So. Oh she's a Vaishnava. Yeah. Oh what my gosh, my bar is a Vaishnava. Vaishnav. Yeah, we just went to Srinaji. So that's like oh, I can't wow. believe she allows it in the house. Yeah, you know, she she's wow. adapted to my family, <laughs> my dad's <laughs> side of the family. So, <laughs> so y- what's interesting to me is mm you've kind of taken on this completely different philosophy from what you were brought up with, right? right. Looking inwards, talking about your feelings, understanding your emotions, um, turning from a hardcore non-vegetarian in, into a vegetarian. Okay. How was that for your family to adjust? Because surely they were like, what has happened to you here, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the time with, um, with people who change their personalities, we, we forget that people can evolve and change in life. Right, We believe that everyone should stay the same from when they were kids and if they evolve and change, it's a bad thing. But actually, it's a great thing.
0: I so.
1: But it's difficult for people to understand that. When I said I wanted to go vegan to my family, they called mm-hmm. me an extremist. Mm-hmm. And I've been vegetarian my whole life. So for you to, to kind of change so much about yourself, how did your family cope with that? Um,
0: initially, my family kind of uh, was uh, confused. <laughs> that Yeah, they were confused. They were just like, is he okay <laughs> like he's becoming a monk so there was another big showdown that happened at my house because i used to come to india to renew my visa every year once a year all right so i just used to get like either a six month visa but when i got adopted as a monk so i used to i got the one year visa
1: right
0: so for them it was uh, it was something which was really tough to digest that mm-hmm. you know my our son is becoming a monk and mm-hmm. you know he's never going to marry he never doesn't want to, you know, come back to the whole living in the city. So, you know how Indian parents, are, oh, we're not going to have grandkids. You're not oh, going to have like course. a bahu coming at home. <laughs> you know, all of that. Uh, like a daughter-in-law. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, for them, it was, they were confused. They were concerned. Right. They were worried. Uh, but slowly, slowly, you know, it was my mom who started seeing that I'm so happy in doing mm. what I'm doing. You know, I've lived in the most remotest situation. I can't even explain to you mm. while I was in the temple, why there were certain duties that you have to do it. I just, it's, it's something which I think, it's not about uh, uh, going in extreme situations and living in extreme situations just because uh, it's not like a punishment, it's something which you just have to do, it, it's a duty. You know, there's a, 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 a priest in a temple in India, his duty is to feed the animals right. who come around the temple. His duty is to feed the people who come, you know, the, the people who are underprivileged mm. people who are below the poverty line. It's, it's duty to help people. So same way we have our duties as monks. There are certain duties that we have to do. Mm. So I've lived in an orphanage in the temple, around the temple, there were many orphanages that the temple owns. Ma. So in China, you know, you cannot leave your property uh, abandoned. Right. You cannot like have it not functioning. If they do, the government captures it. So they have to keep on running. If it's like an empty house or flat or like right. a big huge property or a hou- bungalow, whatever. So you have to keep on sh- making sure that it's, it's running. It's up and running, the wow. government comes to check on you. So yeah, it's, it's, okay. it's really extreme, some stuff out there, but uh, I really enjoyed my time, that there was so much of learning that happened. So for me, for my parents, coming back to your question, my parents uh, were really concerned, but also my mother was very happy, and eventually they, they decided then they gave up on you know trying to talk me out of it. Yeah. Yeah, because I was so headstrong, I became so headstrong, because they also felt that, you know, initially that, oh, it's just one of his phases. He's just going yeah. for a few no- months and he'll be back. It's just like, you know, mm-hmm. um, like a, it's just like, you know, a trend, a fad, you know how it is. A fad, yeah, uh, a yeah, yeah. fad, exactly. I was actually going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was just like a fad for a while. And but then when they saw that, you know, one and a half year, taking the warrior monk, mm. was and oaths, living in the temple. Uh, so, one of the major things of the temple, uh, warrior monk duties was traveling around the world, promoting the Shaolin culture.
1: Wow. So, through
0: the temple, I, I was you know, only non-Chinese on the team who traveled around the world. I came to London as well.
1: Wow. Um, that's
0: where you're from, right? So, yeah. And uh, I went around like a lot of Asian countries. I went in Israel and a lot of other places, North America, Canada.
1: hmm
0: So, that's where we started promoting Shaolin culture. My parents started seeing that. And then when they adopted me, there was uh, this whole big news article came in the Chinese media and then this director from Shanghai, uh, Alan, he found it very interesting. So he approached the temple, I want to make a short documentary on you. So like the temple, he asked if you can I make a short documentary. And wow. There's this Indian, Indian boy who you've adopted as a, as a, as a warrior monk. So then the, the whole documentary was shot and then it was released by the Nowness Media. It's a very famous yeah, yeah. media company in the UK. I wow. I'm wrong, yeah.
1: Why did you never want to be a full-time monk? Why did you come back? So, um, in
0: 2017, the temple was adding a new pillar, Mm -hmm. uh, like a study to the culture called uh, Zen Archery. Mm -hmm. And they were selecting out of the 120 warrior monks, they were selecting eight monks to go to Guangzhou for intense training in archery, studying the traditional Way of archery mm-hmm. studying the philosophy and the theory behind it as well mm-hmm. so out of the eight i was one of them okay <laughs> which i didn't want to go i was so like upset because it was summertime and you know summertime is the time when you train the most right and you do like this really hardcore gymnastics and acrobatic training and i'm like oh because winters you know it's so cold out there of course there's like massive snowfall there's minus 20 degrees minus 15 degrees so it gets God. really really bad so the training hours are not much in winter it's about six hours right a day. but you know in summers it's like 10 hours 12 hours you can train Wow you can like do several other things with your medicine, philosophy, meditation as well. So um, we went to Guangzhou for four months of intense training, and that's where I started uh, asking a lot of questions to myself, not why am I training so much? Mm. Like what is happening? like I've, tr- I've studied so much of philosophy, martial arts, medicine, I've studied acupressure and now like I'm getting this opportunity to you know study archery mm. you know what am I becoming like what kind of a warrior am I going to be because that's when I started reading the Mahabharata and started reading the Ramayana right. you know we have Iklavya the famous you know character who was uh, a very good archer who mm-hmm. was uh, Doryodhan's uh, student and then uh, Arjuna, again a very famous archer as well. So he's also you know famous. So I started reading and tried, trying to trying to see where where's this taking me? Yeah. You know, wh- wh- what is what am I getting prepared for? Mm. Like is there a war coming? <laughs> is there something that I need to protect? Is there something that's you know going to go in shambles or something? I don't know. I was getting so many you know through your meditation you have these of thoughts, course. and I have to address these thoughts. If I just keep on ignoring them, then you know I'm going to be stuck in a limbo, mm. and uh, by not knowing what's actually happening to my, because then later on when I started meditating, I started speaking to my Shifu on, on, WeChat because he was not with us in the, in Guangzhou. So he's like, I cannot help you finding your purpose, you know, it's something which you need to find yourself. Right. And only through your practice, only through your dhyana, you know, meditation yes. is dhyana. Only through your dhyana you will come to know. So that's where I started understanding that my whole learning and I found my purpose is to to spread the culture, to you know, let people know about this art and you know what I carry.
1: Right.
0: And that's when I decided that okay now I think I've studied enough. Right. And I want to leave the temple and I want to learn more different styles because when I was in south of China, that's where Guangzhou is, uh, I started discovering a lot of different other southern style of martial arts and I'm like oh this looks so cool. Oh Bruce Lee used to do this. I went to Bruce Lee's hometown as well in Foshan, Bruce Lee's right. master, Ip Man. I went to Foshan and I started seeing oh this is so cool, you know this style is so different but you know the the, um, how do you, the core essence of martial arts is very similar. Right. So let me start learning different styles as well. So I just told my master, I was like, Master, is it, is it okay if I learn different styles? Like it's very good, mm. you know, it'll broaden your h- horizons and I feel it'll make you a very good martial artist. You'll have your own style eventually. Right. And then I, whatever four months I had in Guangzhou, I started learning different Southern style martial arts. And then I decided that I want to, you know, go to South Korea to Seoul, to study Taekwondo.
1: Why? Why all this fighting?
0: I don't know. I was just so happy in movement. Why? I love moving. I, I like the whole synchronicity between my breath and my, and my muscles. I, I just love the way it feels. Okay. And in martial arts, in, as a Shaolin warrior monk, the first thing that they teach you is your defense is your attack. So you're not using martial arts to, to, you know, put somebody down or to hit someone. It's mm. to protect your own self for your own health. And in case of uh, any adversity, to save someone, you can use it.
1: Got it. Yeah. So, you, so you kind of did all of that training, and then when did you move back to Mumbai?
0: Uh, I didn't move back to Mumbai until 2020 Jan.
1: No way. Yeah, so
0: it was about 2018 end. Yeah. Uh, that's where I decided I'm going to go to South Korea. Right. Um, but then I didn't land up going to South Korea because some people came from South Korea who were in L.A. And they met me in China. They came to visit the temple. They're from the Jackie Chan stunt team. They're very famous called the Marshall Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Lee, Brian Lee, and Daniel. So they invited me to Los Angeles to come and train with them. So I was invited by the Jackie Chan stunt wow. members to come and train with them in Los Angeles. Okay. And then I moved to Los Angeles.
1: And did you get? In, and what did you do there?
0: I was training for cinema martial arts. And then in my free time, I went to LA film school to study uh, you know, filmmaking. Yeah, and yeah. I went to theatre school. Because slowly, slowly, I started realising that, you know, I'm born in a film family. Films has always been there in my blood. Mm. And I love... Um, I love expressing mm. because, you know, doing martial arts is expressing. Of course. And even in school, I was always part in the, in the, in the dancing and the singing and the dramatics. I was mm. always there. I was always, you know, the winning and always on top of the list always. Yeah. So, I try to align my purpose and I try to see how I can merge the whole passion of my films with my martial arts and my mm. philosophy. And then I was in Los Angeles for about one and a half year. And just before we had the unexpected pandemic, I moved to India in 2020, January.
1: Wow. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? When, if someone asked you if when you were a kid, do you want to be a director or you want to be in films? You probably said no, right? Um, I didn't have an answer, actually. Right. And then when you grow older, you realize that some things you're just naturally good at or some things you're naturally interested in. And, and sometimes it, it, things you don't expect come back <laughs> into your life.
0: I, you know, as a kid, I always thought that I want to be different. I want to be unique. I don't want to be... Um, I don't want to be part of the herd you know Right. I, I want to whether you want to call me the black sheep I would be the black sheep so for me I I, I never felt confident until and unless I had something of my own that right. I that I inculcated something of my own that I have some uh, unique thing to offer mm-hmm. um, so for me I think uh, Shaolin uh, warrior monk life happened to me at the right time, right and for me I'm really grateful to you know my Shifu my senior monk brothers my monk brothers, you know who shaped me into what I am today And very really thankful to my my family who supported me and During uh, that and I don't want to stop giving credit to myself like <coughs> I want to thank me <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be a snob but uh, Yeah, you know it takes a lot to To make decisions. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel uh, there's so much goals in decision-making okay I personally feel that decision-making decides how courageous you are
1: mm.
0: because you never know what's going to happen but you have to have that faith you have to have that belief you have to have that conviction mm. that if this is what you want to choose your path your, 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 your journey then you have to surrender and for me it was you know I kept on being in China for five years, living in Los Angeles for one and a half year, then coming back to Mumbai and then deciding what I want to do. Mm. It was all about act of courage. Yeah. Because I had faith in my art. I had faith in my study, my practice.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: what drew me. That's That's what still drives me. And I think honing your craft and honing the idea, honing the craft, honing you being confident, knowing that, you know, something that you, you can offer, you can help people, you can show people. If you can make the change in yourself, then you can make the change in others, you know? Yeah. So.
1: And how are you taking that into acting now? Because now, obviously...
0: So, apart from being in the Bollywood family and being an actor right now, I also... So, Shaolin Temple has a branch of uh, its uh, subsidiary uh, training centre in every country. We have one in the UK as well. We have right. three in the UK, if I'm in fact. So the branch for the Cultural Center in India is under my supervision. So I'm the founder of the Shaolin Temple Warrior Mung Academy. You can see the small souvenir from my school to you.
1: Amazing.
0: Yes, so we are. uh, I have a team who takes care of the classes. I have trained them personally. Um, I do give classes sometimes as well. Initially, I was when I founded the school in 2021, August. So it's been more than a year now, a year and a half almost. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we are spreading the Shaolin culture, we teach archery, we teach uh, breathing techniques for healing like Qigong, or wow. we teach martial arts, we teach uh, certain philosophy things about Buddhist, Buddhism, and uh, we have self-defense programs for, you know, for men and for women, mainly for women because uh, it's in a good location around a women's university, so mm-hmm. uh, we want to promote that for women's
1: health. As, uh, as someone who's <coughs> kind of been a monk and gone through that, what's been your biggest learning? What takeaway can we give to anyone who's listening or watching?
0: <laughs> there are so many learnings, oh my God. But for me, I think the biggest learning was to listen. That was just the best thing that happened to me because I, 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 through listening, I learned a language, Mandarin,
1: mm. simplified
0: Mandarin Chinese. Through listening, uh, I learned how to be patient. Through listening, I got to learn how to hear my breath, my own breath. Wow. And Sheldon philosophy and practice is purely about your own breath. So my biggest thing was to listen.
1: People always say you have two ears and one mouth. Yeah. And so you should listen more than you listen speak. Than it's, it's it's a lesson I I'm, I'm slowly learning. Yeah. But one but one that will take time. But thank you so much for coming here. I know it's far for you, but I really appreciate no, it's your so time. Everything.
0: It was totally worth it. I'm so glad. I've been like I said. I was trying to be a part of your association for what you're doing, what you're spreading, and, you know, the kind of uh, people you are getting on your platform, it's amazing, they're thank so inspiring. You. And uh, you're so true to your to your uh, work and your your art. I would call this your art, because you're thank so you. good at it, right? And uh, I'm so grateful to you for inviting me over here.
1: Thank you, my pleasure.
0: And hopefully next time when you're here, uh, you can visit my yes, school.
1: Yes, I would love to. Yeah. I would love to. I need some more breathing techniques in my life. Sure. Thank, thank you, thank you and thank you so much for listening and watching this podcast wherever you're listening or watching if you could please press the follow like and subscribe button it would really mean the world to me